Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Ripstop on the Record, episode 55. I'm Jameson. And I'm Avery. This podcast was started so that we could share the stories of DIYers, which started with sharing our story, Kyle and Carter talking about the inception of Ripstop by the Roll on episode one. In this episode, we're going to break away from uh, the DIY stories or the gear making DIYers and focus on people that have helped build, maintain, and support our local long trail, the MST. If you're not from North Carolina, then you might not be familiar with the Mountains to Sea Trail. You'll get all the details from our first guest, so stay tuned for the details, and then you'll get hooked by the stories. So about the guests, we're talking with four guests that have all had different forms of DIY when it comes to their personal ambitions, uh, but primarily as it pertains to the trail. And you'll get some bonus content as this is a two-parter. First, we'll chat with Betsy Brown, and she'll tell us all the details about the Mountains to Sea Trail. Then we will talk to Summertime, and he will tell us our story about his FKT attempt in multiple hikes of the MST. <laughs> After that, we'll talk with Les Love, who will tell us how a trail this size is maintained and built. Uh, and then finally, we'll talk with Jason Smith, yes, that Jason Smith, about why the trail pertains to the company and his own personal experience with the trail. And each one of these guests will have beautiful stories to share of how they got involved and what the MST means to them. Um, and each one is a DIYer in their own right. We talked with Betsy first to set the tone for the rest of the podcast. Betsy will give you and frankly will also give us a lay of the land. You know, all the details on the MST, why it's cool, why it's growing. So here's our conversation with Betsy Brown. Hey, Betsy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for, for having us. Absolutely. So you're one of the first people that we are talking to in this in this episode. We're going to be talking to a handful of people representing different versions of the MST and talking about how DIYers of all sorts have helped build this trail. But for people that are really unknowing, what is the MST? Sure. Um, the Mountains to Sea Trail, which is what the MST is, is an 1,175-mile trail that goes from the border with Tennessee starting at Clingman's Dome all the way to Jockey's Ridge on the Outer Banks. And it is, um, the, the mileage changes a little per year as, as things grow and, and change, but predominantly about two-thirds of it is on natural surface footpath or a greenway or an unpaved surface um forest road or the beach and the rest um, we use connecting road segments to get the the route across the state and um, people are hiking the whole thing last year we had almost 30 people so that was the you know compared to the AT that's still you know small potatoes but it's growing and growing for us that was a record year so folks are out there hiking it we have great volunteers that build it we go through amazing communities you see great things of beauty and culture so it's just a really great um, way to learn about about North Carolina and, and enjoy some time out in nature. And what is it that you do for the Friends of the MST? I do outreach for the Mountains to Sea Trail, which involves um, a lot of different things, you know, um, working with communities, helping them learn about the trail, bringing volunteers in, um, 
the biggest things I do each year are our events, um, you know, our gathering of friends and our birthday hike events um, and just connecting with people who want to learn about the trail and give back to the trail. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how the Mountains to Sea Trail started and just a brief history for sure. those who might not be familiar? Sure. Um, in the 70s and probably throughout time, you know, people have been have been thinking about trails all over North Carolina. Um, but but in the 70s, there were different groups of people who were kind of working behind the scenes on on trails and recreation and, and different committees. And there had kind of been this idea that was floated about about the trail. And then um, in 1977, it all kind of came to um, fruition where um, a staffer at um, state parks named Jim Halsey had kind of done the initial thinking and planning of a And he worked with Howard Lee, um, who was part of Jim Hunt's administration. And in 1977, at a trail symposium in Lake Junaluska, the trail was proposed. And Howard tells a great story. He he didn't ask permission. He just um, proposed it, which got him a standing ovation in the room. But when he got back to Raleigh, um, the governor was like, that's fine. We're not funding it. You got to figure it out. Um, And that's really how, how the how the trail came to be. Um, and then it's just grown and, you know, there, there's some parts that were easier to build um, and, and designate as trail and then other spots, it's, it's a lot harder, but it really came about um, from passion and hard work of, of some, some staffers and then a whole bunch of volunteers. Um, the group that I work for, the Friends of the MST was founded in, um, in uh, 1997 by Alan DeHart, who, if you know anything about hiking in North Carolina, he, he wrote many of the books and he saw that things weren't, weren't going, um, weren't, you know, we, we had kind of slowed down. And so he didn't want the, the idea of the mountains to sea trail to die. So he dug back in and he's another important of the, the founding fathers and grandmothers. There were a lot of them. <laughs> so the MST very much seems like a passion project from the people that were presenting it at a government level to people that kind of picked up in the 90s. Where at your timeline, did you fall in love with the MST or the idea of the MST and begin working on it? Oh, goodness. Well, I, I never thought I would end up working for a trail. So I had worked in the music industry. I worked in the snow sports industry. And I, I had had um, you know, a few kids. And I was reading an article. And I saw the Mountains to Sea Trail. And I, I was like, this is cool. And the office is in Raleigh. And it would be great to have a few hours out of this house. So let's, let's do that. And I started volunteering. And then that's when our um, previous executive director realized that I had um, some skills that would come in handy. So I came in... Um, doing work. But again, like I just fell in love with the concept. I, I really, this wasn't what I planned in life, but it has been absolutely a pleasure to, to learn about how trails are built and to learn so much about the great communities in North Carolina and, and partners. And they, they come from everywhere. You know, you just really care about something that's, that's bigger than yourself. You know, you can go out and walk just, you know, selfishly to, to walk away your day, but then you can go give some time and you're helping build that opportunity for somebody else. Um, so yeah, I've been around about 10 years and I, again, this, I hope to be, this, this to be a place I stay for a, a long time because the learning and the connections and, and the legacy of it is just so amazing. That's uh, really great to hear from you and thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, with the MST being over 1,100 miles long, what does the trail building process look like? Are there volunteers, which you kind of just alluded to Um but yeah, if you want to expand a little bit more on that, that would be great. Sure. So, so the big one of the big things we do is well, actually, we build and maintain the mountains to sea trail. So, there's a difference between building new trail and maintaining new trail. But we rely on either way. We rely on 
just amazing volunteers. You know, this trail wouldn't exist without volunteers um, doing a handful of of key jobs, but then a lot of people doing a lot of work. Um, so if we were going to build new trail, which is what we're doing in a lot of places um, in the eastern part of the state, some in the Piedmont, um, you know, you 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 go out and you you look at the land, and and oftentimes you have to figure out how to get access to that land. That's the hardest part um, in places where there's a development or you know already established things. So you know. Back in the early days, we looked at where there was public land, and so we're trying to get all the access to public land that we can, and that's a, you know, kind of a joint project between state parks, local folks, and us, really trying to figure out how to create a route that is viable. And then once there's access to the land, um, you know, we we're trying to build trail that's that's sustainable and is a, a fun trail, and is gonna. Um, stand up to time and water and use. Um, we divide our volunteer crews into what's called task forces. So there are task forces across the state. They all are led by just these truly dedicated and knowledgeable local leaders who, you know, know the land managers. They know, you know, who they're dealing with and what what the rules are on that land. And they're looking out for um, opportunities um, when they come about or when there's a problem, a bridge gets washed out or this or that, or if we're building new trail, you know, really routing that and knowing the best practices for creating a, a smart trail. Um, and once the trail is built, then those same task forces will maintain them. It's, you know, again, like I said, a tree falls down, a bridge washes out, um, there's overuse and we need to reroute, there needs to be water diversion. So, so we really um, defer to their expertise on a local level because we can't we can't watch 1175 miles on our own. And, you know, oftentimes um, it takes a, you know, a task force of 50 or 60 people, you know, along, along Falls Lake, they're huge task forces. And in other places, they're a little smaller, but again, you know, they are the eyes and ears. We help facilitate anything and everything that they need. Wow. I hate to put you on the spot here. Um, and if you don't know the answer, that's fine. But how many volunteers sure. would you say you currently have, uh, building the trail and maintaining the trail? Yeah. So we keep track of our hours, um, yearly. So last year I can't, I mean, it's in the, it's between a thousand and 2000. Cause sometimes you get a, you get a, um, a document that'll say 37 people did this and you don't know their names or you, you know, you can't read up, <laughs> but, but last year we put in over 38,000 hours of volunteer work amongst wow. our that thousand plus people. We have people that give over a thousand hours individually. We have folks, um, we honor it. If you give 75 hours, you get a hat or a t-shirt from um, the friends of the MST and state parks will give an additional um, honor to those. And then the people who do over 250 hours. And that's still, you know, more people than you would think. It's it's amazing people who love this and get out there. Um, in some places it's their, you know, it's part of their, their social network. You know, they're hanging out with their trail crews. They're excuse me, they're, they're keeping busy out there and, and it's just a real great way for people to work together. Um, I was just going to quickly ask if someone wanted to get involved um, mm -hmm. in being in one of those task forces, how would you recommend mm -hmm. them signing up for that? Sure. We have on our website, there's a page um, that talk, that will show who those task force leaders are. They can also email us and, and say, I live in Marion and I want to do work. And I'll say, well, I'll connect you with Doug Vesey and the Central Blue Ridge Task Force. So so there is a web page there that has that lists who they are. You know, you can look and see where you are. And we're also, you know, happy to make those connections. Um, the other thing that we we working on and we're trying to build is we know that not everybody wants to work on a trail, either that's not their their desire or, you know, they have limitations or they'd rather just do something else. So we're trying to create um, 
more robust opportunities for people who might want to be involved in um, representing the MST at events or helping us as we're trying to um, to, to get new land for trail, you know, with, with land acquiring or, you know, just other things. Cause we know there are, there are people out here there that like to do, to do other things. That was sort of one of the questions that we were thinking about asking you is, is mm-hmm. the question was sort of, how do we keep a trail exciting for people and enticing? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but what does, I mean, you kind of answered that. So I'm going to elaborate on the question a little bit more. What does recruitment look like for, I would imagine, like you said, there's thousands of volunteers, a ton mm-hmm. of miles, how do you recruit people to come and enjoy a trail? I mean, I'm sure COVID helped getting people outdoors, but what does it look like to really rally around to maintain over 1,100 miles? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's kind of two two parts of an answer to that. Um, you know, one is as an organization, we have really been focused on building and maintaining trails and not and helping people hike them, but not saying, hey, here's how you do that. You know, we've written trail guides. We keep the maps. We we want you to be safe when you're out there. But as an organization, we have been a, a two-person staff, then a three-person, then four-person. So we weren't actively saying, hey, come and hike. And now that we're growing a little bit, we're realizing that that's um, something we need we, we should do because how are you going to become a volunteer if you don't know about the trail? And, and if you don't love it, you're not going to give your time to it. So, so getting people aware of the trail has become a bigger focus as we've grown a little bit in size. Um, you know, one of the things that we recognized a few years back was that very few people are going to hike the whole thing. And so when you have trail guides that are showing, you know, here's mile 773 and that's where you live, you don't really know how to, how to get on and do a day hike. So we wrote, um, our staff member Jim Grody wrote with UNC Press a put on my desk somewhere uh, great day hikes of the MST. So it was forty day hikes. So it became you know some of them were half mile and paved, and some of them were eight miles through Linville Gorge. So it really was a variety of of hikes so you could experience what the whole trail really is all about. Um, and that's a way that we recognize that we needed to help people take it in chunks. Um, we do things also like our we celebrate our birthday every year in September, so we try and do a 45 mile challenge and we'll do different things where we try and get people people out there um one of the other things that we're working on is um it's kind of telling stories from the trail and and kind of what happened there and when and one of the things also is as an organization we recognize that there are people who aren't on our trail and how do we how do we get to folks who are underrepresented so really um making a a focus to to reach out to to um, groups of people of color who are already hiking or doing outdoor things and making sure they know about the trail. And, you know, this is North Carolina's state trail and everybody needs to know about it and get on it. So, so just making those, this, that, that shift a little bit in our thinking as an organization is, is how we're, you know, for us, it's still new, but we're trying to, to keep it exciting. Um, we do have another book coming out next year um, by a, a fellow named Jerry Barker, who um, it's basically talking about what you can see along the trail. It's not just a turn here, turn here, but it's a, you know, here's some history from the trail. And I, you know, for me, I, I'm really excited about having that book as a companion to walking the trail. Cause you're going to learn, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, the beautiful <laughs> that goes right alongside the trail. And, and it's a, a really neat way to learn your North Carolina history as well. 
I think it's really cool how the MST has such a diversity of trail offerings. You mentioned them mm-hmm. earlier, but last weekend I was doing a century on my bike, just doing a lot of cycling mm-hmm. recently, and I went down the Noose River Trail. And I came mm-hmm. in on Monday and I was talking with Jason, um, who's a, an avid MST mm-hmm. lover and someone that we'll hear later on in the podcast. But he told me, he's like, oh, you did uh, you did 40 miles of the MST this weekend. Um, did. And I, I didn't even put it together in my head, but it's so cool that there's such a variety of, of greenways that are almost in people's backyards, you know, for a mm-hmm. lot of the MST. It, it goes through a lot of residential areas areas to places like you mentioned. I've been on other parts of the MST that were out in, um, you know, outside of Limdal Gorge or outside of or the Great Smokies and stuff like that. And it's it's such a cool access point to your point about getting more people on trail that may not always want to be eight miles deep in a wilderness area, but they still want to be outdoors. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, and I think, you know, this is never going to be like an AT where you're just in a tunnel of green and, and <laughs> as remote as possible because, you know, we're, we're a different trail. I think we really are a history and cultural trail. And I think there are options for people who, who want to get lost and not see anybody for, um, you know, a couple of days or they feel comfortable with, you know, being able to see somebody else in, you know, nearby. Um, so there are comfort levels. There's there's trail for basically, you know, most abilities. Um, if you want to complete the trail, you're allowed to ride your bike on um, the road portion so that you, you know, you don't have to walk that. You can paddle the noose or a bit of the Yadkin. It, it really is a, a, a an adventurous trail. Um, we had somebody who wanted to kite sail across where the ferry crossings are. <laughs> I don't know if he's done that yet, but that would be a first for us. He did go back and he's the, the only completer that we know of that has done the he walked and then he went and paddled. So he did both routes to the Eastern part of the state, not at the same time. He just wanted (laughs) that experience. So he went back and paddled it. So, so people are using it in different ways. And then, you know, we kind of see some, some loop options, you know, in the future where the the route might change and we could create some fun little loops because people don't always love Mm. backtracking or shuttling. Since we are a linear trail, you can't, you know, leave your cart one in and come back to it easily, but they're, you know, um, you know, coming up with some, some challenges like that for folks. So state trails, I feel like have gained popularity in terms of the hiking community. Um, people doing, there's been a lot of competition on the long trail for FKTs and stuff. Mm-hmm. People doing the Florida trail to link up uh, a lot of hiking miles in the years because it connects to the AT in some, you know, reasonable capacity. Uh, the MST seems like it's becoming a lot more notable uh, in terms of the state trails and some of these like sub long trail type mm-hmm. uh, type distances, what do you think the purpose of a state trail is? And I'm sure it varies a whole lot, but what does it mean for the MST yeah. to be represented in that way? Well, the MST was originally proposed when Howard proposed it to be um, to be an economic driver for smaller towns and communities. And so I think for us, you know, not being a, a full wilderness experience by any any stretch, it is an opportunity for, for folks to get out and explore the state and have a, you know, go to Burgaw, go to Elkin, go to, you know, these places that you might not normally have on your, your list, but that's really, you know, for us, that that's what sets us apart is that we can be a, a culture trail. It's, it's more almost like a European trekking, you know, trail where you have, you have a spot to stop and get a beer or, you know, you've got to be an Airbnb or, you know, whatever. It's not quite as, um, it's just, it's just different. Um, and I think that we are seeing a lot more people coming from out of state more recently. It had been, you know, our completers used to be either folks who were from North Carolina, they were section hiking and they were doing it on weekends. And now we're getting folks from all over the place, which is really exciting. And we're getting folks who are, um, 
I don't think you call them professional hikers, but they're people that spend their time just hiking. And, you know, I'm not sure how they're managing it, but they are. And so we're getting folks who are going from one long trail to the next. And that's been a change in the last couple of years. So, you know, interestingly, there are different expectations from folks that come from different trails. So, so trying to make sure that we have a trail that they're comfortable on. A lot of them said it's really hard. This is a really hard trail still because we're working to support hikers and get more amenities and you know the road walking isn't for everybody but you know personally I've loved the road walking I've loved slowing down and looking at things um you know you find so you know, I find a great pack of zip ties one day you know you never know what you're gonna put in your pack after you <laughs> after you walk but you know for me it's just I've lived in North Carolina most of my life and it's just a, a really cool way to 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 learn about your state differently um but I do think it's something that all North Carolinians you know, is should take pride in. I mean, we have a really cool trail that connects the state. And, you know, I think it's really, it's, maybe it's a romantic thought to think that when I'm hiking here in Falls Lake, there's somebody at Mount Mitchell, there's somebody at Clingman's Dome, they're at the same time doing the same thing. It's just a, a really neat way to, I don't know, while away your time while you're, you're hiking is who else is doing this right now? One thing that you said that really resonated with me was um, kind of talking about more of a European style of trail. And um, mm-hmm. clearly you've hiked a lot of it. And there's a saying in the hiking community and among through hikers that's hike your own hike. Um, it's heard mm-hmm. all the time. I've heard it a million times. Um, but it, I love that because the Mountains to Sea Trail really seems like kind of a choose your own adventure hike. Like you said, if you don't like road walking, you could bike it. If you're into paddling, you could paddle it. It's, there's really three different modes, maybe four if you're, like you said, paragliding over the other parts. Yeah. Um, different ways and methods that you can enjoy the trail. And I think that is something that is a more European um thought than Americans. What I found is a lot of Americans are very like foot te- footstep to footstep. They want to have a continuous footpath. And then uh, I've met lots of uh, people not from America who come over who are more lax about it. They don't mind that uh, maybe they had to road walk part of it or enjoy the fact that they can link up multiple um, outdoor ways to recreate along the mm-hmm. trail. So I think that's really fascinating. And then, you know, stopping and getting a beer at a brewery is definitely a perk mm-hmm. <laughs> and something very yeah, European and, and, too. <laughs> and we have great trail angels too along the way, you know, like you're, you might not in on other trails get to stay with the mayor of Roseboro when you come through town or, you know, these just amazing <laughs> folks who are here to support the trail. Um, so it is, it is, it is different. Um, I think in a great, in the best way it could be. It's really a people adventure. You're really meeting and getting to know either fellow North Carolinians or if you're from afar, you're getting to know North Carolina. Um, one thing I meant to mention when you were asking another question was we, we had a guy um, from South who created what was called, he called it the Carolinian route where he walked the Palmetto Trail. He finished that on the coast of South Carolina and then her road walk to start our trail and then did our trail and then connected the AT and... Why am I forgetting the other trail to get back where he started? So it was over 2000 miles, but he's the first person who did this route. Um, wow. And I think it's fascinating <laughs> that he just decided to, to do it. And um, his name is Jason Tompkins. His uh, he's out and about is his trail name. He has beautiful photos right now. He's hiking in, um, in Minnesota doing the superior trail, but it, it, you know, I love seeing how people's 
people decide to do things. And, you know, some people go east to west, some people go to west to east, some people take 25 years and do a little bit each year. It really doesn't matter to us as long as you're loving it and uh, enjoying your time out there. For sure. Um, I think it's definitely, it's going to catch on. I know I'm a pass through hiker and after you through hike, everyone's like, okay, well, what's the next trail I can do? And I think it's a really, I mean, it is a happy medium being a thousand miles. You could, you don't have to take six months of your life off. You can easily accomplish it in sections, um, which is really inspiring. And I love the story that you told about Jason. I'm definitely going to be looking him up after this and seeing that. I just love when people create new routes and don't really stick to the norm. And they're like, they're looking at their trail maps and they're like, how can I make this a circle or make a new path? And I just think that is really inspiring. Um, The MST just got $5 million from state legislature. How do you plan on using that? Oh, we can't wait. Um, no, this is the this is the first time. I mean, we're thrilled with this. Um, we're we could not be more excited. It's the first time that this type of money has been put into state trails, and it's absolutely transformational for for many of them. Um, so, so kind of the the way it works is the first thing that we put to work is we've got money for um, capacity building. So we hired our sixth employee, Sherry Seagrove started last week, and we are just beyond excited to have somebody who can help with our outreach. So that's like really the first thing is, is getting more people aware of the trail and connecting them and bringing them in. But um, one of the things that, that we basically started the, the process, um, gosh, almost a year ago by pulling together our priority areas. So we, I have a doc, we have a document that we work from that's got 32 priority areas across the state. And that could be where we need to buy land. It could be where we need to plan. It could be where we're ready to build. And so we have them all ranked and we, you know, staff, we're kind of working behind the scenes to, to, to see which and what we can do first. And so we can't take them all on, but we're, you know, have like three or four that are really bubbling away. Um, and then we signed our first contract with state parks and we're about to build a bridge that's like three, two to three years overdue. And we're just so excited about getting this bridge in. Um, but we are, we, we are hoping to be able to spend it, you know, spend every dime of it in three to five years. And, and that will be transformational in parts. You know, a lot of our, a lot of our bigger projects are going to be in the coastal crescent, which is the Eastern part of the state um, where, where we're working to build um, those connections and, you know, both trail and with the people there. Cause you know, in, in certain parts of the state, there's not a big culture of hiking and, mm-hmm. um, and even outdoor rest recreation, you know, there are some places where there are no natural surface footpaths in mm. a whole County. And what we build will be the first um, trail and, and to give that opportunity to those residents to, to have a place to get out and walk is really, really exciting. And we take that as, um, you know, a legacy building opportunity for these communities and, and the opportunities that can come to, to these towns. It's just, um, you know, it's really, really exciting. Um, so yeah, we hope to spend it all. And, you know, we've got a, we've got crews, you know, we're, we've been talking to trail builders. We're really ready to go. Um, you know, we've been working with state parks kind of behind the scenes to work on the, the logistics and the admin side of it. Like, how does this actually work? (laughs) You know, how does, so we're, I think we're, we're ready to go. Um, We actually have a meeting on in Wednesday with all the other state trails to really go through next steps. So we're, we're, we're thrilled. Um, It's a great, a great, exciting time. I mean, we, we got a new executive director last year when this was not, we thought we were going to get a different amount of, you know, we didn't know it would be this exciting and transformational and his job has changed. Like this wasn't even an opportunity when I applied for this job, but now we're, we're just so excited to have, have, um, to have this, 
you know, a lot of hard work went into it. So we're, we just want to make the most of every single dollar we have allotted to us. Can you talk more about the dynamic and the relationship that the MST has with the state? Obviously, you're not Mm -hmm. a state-run organization, but there's a Mm -hmm. ton of work to be done from the money that you've been able to figure out for the MST to state Mm -hmm. land and everything in between. What Mm -hmm. does that relationship look like for you all? Well, I mean, kind of from a a worker bee perspective, we work hand-in-hand with their state trail planner, their their land folks, their folks on the ground, if the trail goes through a a state park, you know, we're working with those superintendents and their rangers and and all of that. And, um, you know, so we really have a great relation, working relationship with, with those folks. And, you know, in the meantime, they we're all, they're very busy, you know, so we're trying to do the work that they we're trying to be a good complement to them and then work, work really hand in hand. But um, I guess specifically to, to, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because we're a state trail, but there's about 70 something people that own the trail. You know, there are different landowners and managers. So you're working, um, if it's, like I said, if it runs through Stone Mountain or, or, you know, one of these state parks, you know, you know who your contact is and you can work within them. But in other places, you're dealing with city land, county land, um, other, you know, wildlife, Army Corps. And so having a good relationship with all of those folks is incredible incredibly important and um you know just making sure everybody's on the same page all the time so it really is about managing relationships all around um and with with folks generally having a common goal it's um it's really productive and amazing to see you know people all pointed in the same direction trying to to achieve something great does that answer that question (laughs) okay yeah no definitely that's that's awesome so as we run out of time here, Betsy, I have one more final hard-hitting question for you. Okay. What is your favorite section of the MST, and can you explain it? Oh, boy. Um, that's a hard one. I mean, I have the ones I go to a lot right here at Falls Lake, and I love them because they're convenient. But there is a spot um, right on the Tonawa Trail where the Tonawa and the MST are, are co-joined in that section in Watauga County. Or is it what? Yeah. And it's it's special to me because of who I sat there with, you know, I sat there with a friend who has had breast cancer and has since died, but we sat in this just beautiful crop of trees in a cow pasture looking towards grandfather mountain. And to me, it seems like a place where people have done that for, for generations and, you know, forever. It's just a beautiful spot. Um, it means, and it's just a gorgeous part of the trail. So, so I really love that stretch. I mean, who doesn't like hiking with cows and, and avoiding cow patties and, and just, it, it just feels like where I'm supposed to be when I'm there. Um, so that's my, that's, if I had to sit one place or walk through one place, I think that would be it. I've only hiked about a, just a little over a third of the trail. I've got a lot to go still because I've got this you know, desk job that <laughs> but we try to get out as often as we can to, to know, to remember, to remind us really how lucky we are to have this, this position and to, to work for the trail. I know exactly where that section of the trail is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, although I haven't had the same experience that you have, it's, it's also a really special place to me. It's where my wife and I went on our honeymoon and her, she's been going up there for, uh, with her family for the last like 10 mm-hmm. or 15 years. So, uh, it's a place that now I've shared with my, my brother-in-laws and my family. So it's funny that you mentioned that cause it's like exactly, yeah. I know, I know right where you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You, you park and go up to the right and up the ridge yeah. and that, that little section of, um, of rocks is so cool. I just love that. I I mean, I love all of it. I love even the road walking because I'm learning. Um, So hopefully that and other people feel that same way.
That's also Avery's stomping ground. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, yeah I was just going to say about. that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the coolest things about, you know, working remotely in Boone, but also our office being located in Durham is that we are connected essentially by the MST, but I'm so grateful that, well, I just live in such a beautiful part mm-hmm. of North Carolina, not knocking other parts, but um, right. it is, it's just, it's such a special place. And knowing that the MST is also the as other trails, like you mentioned, the Tonawa Trail and mm-hmm. um, part of the Smokies. And mm-hmm. I just think it's such a beautiful thing. Like you were talking about, you could be in one place and you're thinking about the person on Mount Mitchell. I kind of feel like that now with Jameson. Like I know that he's just right down you're the right street, down but there. I'm also like a few <laughs> miles from the MST here. And I think it's just such a unique and special trail. And I've learned so much about, you know, the volunteer process and the history of MST. And I think a lot of us get out there and we, we want to hike because we love it. And I often think about every time I take a step on like a rock stair, I'm like, thank you, whoever built this. Cause I know how hard it is, but not many times have I thought about all the other stuff, working with state parks, working with the rangers, building out these sections, replacing the bridges. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And it, it goes beyond just a path in the woods. It's mm-hmm. it's the passion behind it and the people. And um, we're so grateful that we're able to talk to you. And you've had so much experience building up the MST along with others. And um, it just makes me super grateful to be able to be so close to the MST in multiple parts of the state and to be able to enjoy it um, all because of volunteers and yeah. the Friends of the Mountain to see. So it's a really beautiful story. You have yeah, me like yeah. tearing up. Oh, 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 good. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> um, but and I want to thank you guys too. You know, we met, we met Jason um, from Ripstop by the Roll at our gathering and he got involved and I love that he's, you know, folks, are, everyone gets excited about the trail and they'll bring in, you know, their talents and their time to, to help further boost it. And it's just growing exponentially. So it's, you know, thanks to you all too, for recognizing opportunities and, and being good partners. So it's, it's exciting for us just to see where we're, where we're headed. Definitely. This has been really fun, Betsy. Thank you for sharing some time with us. We're going to continue this conversation with some more people and representatives of the MST in different varieties and capacities. Um, But thanks for kind of starting us off on the right foot, Betsy. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like you can't talk about long trails and not bring up FKTs. Summertime has done the MST almost three full times, all in a very much DIY mindset. He brings the comic relief to this episode. So here's our chat with Summertime. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Ripstop on the Record Summer Time. We're super excited to have you here and to learn more about you and all the awesome trails that you hiked. Likewise, nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So, leading into that, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and some of the trails that you have through hiked or attempted to through hike? So, I'm from North Carolina, uh, born and raised, and um, my introduction to outdoors was uh, through Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. I was lucky enough to be a part of a good troop here in Greensboro. Um, and a bunch of uh, kind of people I came up with in school were members of that troop as well. So just had a lot of, of good support 
um, and good community of people my age that were into the similar interests. I don't think many of those um, folks have gone on to do full through hikes. I do um, whenever I'm starting a training hike or even a through hike, I'll jokingly um, post in our Boy Scout group about, hey, guys, I'm hitting the trail for three months if anybody wants to come on out. Everybody's like, we all have real lives. <laughs> we're going to we're just going to live vicariously through you. But um, it was very uh, lucky for me to have a good group like that to learn a lot. Um, back then, you know, the game has changed as far as like gear we're bringing and um, they weren't necessarily teaching bushcraft skills, but just allowing me to be in the woods and be comfortable sleeping, you know, overnight. Um, so uh, that was a great foundation. And then um, my life kind of took a different direction where I wasn't as exposed to the outdoors as much through what I was doing. Um, I was a theater major in school and then became a hairdresser after that. And then I got a therapy license. So I was indoors a lot. And uh, um, the, uh, the hair thing ended. I decided I just kind of was not being fulfilled in kind of the vanity driven um, kind of industry. And uh, so uh, a couple career changes later, I was in a position where uh, they you know, furloughed a couple of us from uh, the bar I was working at. And so I had a wide open maybe month, maybe two months. Uh, and I had been following my brother, who's about five years older than me, who was attempting to do the mountains to sea trail. Uh, and this is back in like 2009 or 10. So I was following him then, and that's before there was any guide written about it. So he was kind of piecing together his own maps and his own research and following a little Alan DeHart, who was one of the, the guy who created the first route for the MST, uh, what he, I think I have that name right, uh, kind of his notes on his experience. Um, and my brother wasn't able to finish. He had some gear failures and injuries that happened um, right at the end of the mountain section, but he did make it a good chunk. So I kind of picked up where he left off and was inspired by him, as such as the case, big brother, little brother, you know, throughout my life quite a bit. Um, but by the time I attempted it in 2012, uh, which was my very first through hike, uh, the Scott Ward uh, trail named Taba trail guide had come out, and this was handwritten by him. I mean, he had an Excel spreadsheet, but he pretty much took a pedometer with him and counted the miles between each place and knocked on every church door and every trail, every house that was on the trail and explained, hey, there's a trail here. Would you be willing to let people sleep on your property? And kind of he was the first one to uh, set up a lot of the relationships with the people living close by the trail. Um, so it was kind of a lot easier for me to attempt when I began because there was a trail uh, guide. Um, and funny thing with the first, the, my very, very first, I had done some through hikes with Boy Scouts out in Philmont, New Mexico, where we were on trail for two weeks at a time and covered more than a hundred miles. So I would consider that probably my first through, but my first solo through hike was the Mountains of Sea Trail. And, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to find myself, like I said, I was between jobs or whatever. So I wanted this kind of walkabout sojourn kind of experience. So I decided I would not, uh, contact any of the trail angels or accept any of that help. So I didn't really understand um, the community side of through hiking. I didn't really understand like the, the whole network of people. Um, but I'd say about 10 days in after seven days of rain or something like that, I've reached out to a trail angel that was listed on the guides. Hey, I really like a dry place, you know, tonight, <laughs> if, if that would be okay. And such an amazing experience with them that night. They brought me in their house. They let me sleep in a bed. Um, the, met their kids, cooked me food, sent me away with food and kind of what a great trail angel will do. 
but I just had no context for what that could be. Uh, and then they kind of like hit it out of the park with everything they, uh, you know, offered me. And so that happened again after having that good experience, you know, the next night, another trailer drill and a week later, another train drill. So probably stayed with or interacted with seven to 10 trail angels on that first hike. And what that's what really I came away with that hike, you know, I saw some beautiful views and, you know, tested out some gear and tested my limits, but I just came away with this, like, you know, um, uh, just a better outlook on humanity and, and the good that's still out there. And so that's still like every time I always go in it for the outdoors aspect, but I come away with a whole lot of like full heart feelings. I know the MST isn't the only trail that you have done. Do you want to quickly tell the listeners other trails you have through hiked or attempted to through hike? Yeah. So after the MST, I had to get back to work and it was five years before I did my next through hike. And that was um, in 2017, the Florida trail. Um, I had moved to Florida uh, to be with a romantic partner who lived in Florida and was enjoying my year there and kind of was enjoying getting to know the state. And uh, I was like, you know what, that through hiking thing changed my life. So we'll see if it can do it again or give me kind of that feeling again. And the same way the Mountains of Sea Trail is contained in one state really let me know, get to know Florida, that new, that new state. And it did that and I loved it and fell back in love. And so from there, I was like, all right, you know, even after 2012, I was like, I got to change what I'm doing with my life in order to um, uh, help me hike more. Like, all I need to change the way I'm saving money and how I'm working and uh, work on passive income to be able to do this full time. I'm, I'm so in love with it. So um, after 2017, uh, moved back to North Carolina later in that year and began planning for the Eastern Continental Trail. Um, a year and a half later, started in 2018 in June. Uh, in Quebec. So I did kind of the mainland Eastern Continental Trail. I did not do Newfoundland or Prince Edward Island. They're further on that may be more complete official route. But a lot of people that attempt it will do the mainland route from Quebec to Key West. Um, so I was going southbound. I summited. It was about 700 miles from Quebec to Katahdin. And I summited Katahdin August 1st. And let's see. So I'll, yeah, so I started like June 28th. So to, just over a month to get there. And that was the same year that um, a hiker I know named Bubbles was heading southbound <laughs> on the Appalachian Trail. I never did catch up with her, but I did catch remnants of her tramley um, that kind of became my tramley by the end of it. So I didn't finish the Appalachian Trail section of that until um, December, finished in the snow by myself, and then continued on to do the Penhody Trail, uh, the rest of Georgia into Alabama. And then the Florida Trail again, but I was doing it in the opposite direction. And so that was really far out to me because I was seeing landmarks I recognized, but I didn't have the same experience like walking up to them. So I really wouldn't know where I was until like, bam, I come around the corner and I'm like, oh, it's that tree or it's that lake. I remember <laughs> that. And it would kind of hit me. Um, like, so it was a cool experience doing it again, uh, which is why the next thing I planned to do after the long, long ECT was something a little shorter and something that I had done before, because I like that feeling of remembering where I was in the moment based on, you know, visual and audio stimulation. So that I tried, I did the mountains of sea trail again, uh, in 2021 last summer or this last year, um, and did a fundraiser for my friend who had some medical bills he needed help paying for and his recovery. And we raised uh, $25,000 doing that. 
and he's recovering very well. And I will say it wasn't completely selfless. I was using that hike as a little bit of a, uh, a scouting mission to see if I could pull an FKT attempt for the Mountains of Sea Trail off the following year. So I was kind of, because the trail had changed a lot since, since 2012. It was 200 more miles, pretty much from Raleigh on. It's completely different. Um, so I wanted to see what was what was in store, you know, and make sure I kind of like had a good idea of whether it was pos- even possible or not. And so I thought it was, and I uh, tried it again this summer to try to set FKT and was trying to finish in like 35 days or less, um, doing it casually uh, during the fundraiser. It took me up 40 one days, 43 days. Something like I love that. how you say that so, is casually, first of all, yeah, just have to interject. <laughs> doing it casually, nail emoji. <laughs> I just wasn't pushing myself, you know, to, to uh, really strenuous levels. I didn't think, uh, but I did try to do that this year and did some over, got some overuse injuries after about 13 days out there and had to call it quits on this attempt this year. Um, had an awesome 13 days. I was really happy with what I put down, which was the, the part of the trail I thought would be most challenging to keep a pace up through. And I stuck to my plan, um, was able you know, to move at a pace I wanted to until the very last couple of days where uh, it's called Morton's Neuroma, I've discovered, and metatarsaglia, uh, kind of overused um, swollen tissue injuries, just took me out. Slowed me down enough to where I knew I wasn't going to be able to hit the FKT the way I wanted to. So uh, called it quits after 13 days. So a huge part of this episode, while we're even talking about this episode, is um, a couple months ago, Kyle, the owner of Ripstop by the Roll, kind of coined this term for us, that, like we exist to help people create their own path. And we started talking about the MST kind of being our local trail that's just a couple of miles away from the headquarters, as well as a bunch of people here doing significant parts of the MST, but also how people you know, it's, it's quite a literal form of creating your own path, <laughs> right? Like people have created the MST and, and are still creating parts of it. So we want to talk about all these different kind of viewpoints of the MST and, and yours being one of them. But uh, one thing I'm really hearing a lot from you, kind of a reoccurring theme is this idea that uh, through hiking is a huge form of, of DIY, but also your attempts particularly are a little bit different from what most people have done, right? You didn't start the Florida Trail on their starting point. You ended the AT later in December. You've very much taken your own twist at a lot of your own attempts. So, I mean, you've done the MST now three times, not just once. Most people finish a trail and they kind of, you know, write that thing off. What is, uh, what is it about your approach to things or uh, your approach to FKTs or through hiking that brings a lot of joy to it for you kind of what's that diy aspect that is so fulfilling for your side well so i envy the people that can just like throw stuff in a bag and hit the trail um that's i'd love to be able to live that carefree but like for (laughs) me i guess it's a sense of control but the planning for the hike is a lot of fun for me as well so even though i don't like make my own gear per se i mean i've duct taped a few (laughs) things together i've never actually constructed anything um my kind of way to c- control and get my hands really in it is to over plan really anal retentively plan like mileages per the day exact campsites i'm going to end up at and i usually use a large calendar and it's like a days long process and or weeks you know I get all my maps together pdfs <laughs> loaded on the phone and i enjoy all that I just feel like locked and loaded less chance of failure you know what i'm saying and makes it easier on me at the moment i re- I'll really have to do that one is walk because i've planned it so tightly now Every time I make one of those plans, I get 
out of sync with it fairly quickly, but it's still like the sense of comfort to have, you know, mileages. I know exactly how far off of the days I had planned. I am, and it helped me budget for food and the costs for the trip. But, um, I say the most DIY thing I've ever done is preparing for this FKT because since I don't consider myself an athlete, I'm just someone who likes to walk <laughs> a lot. Uh, I to give myself kind of any edge I could. So when I was reading the FKT rules on the website, it's like uh, supported. That's anything from having a full team with a van, massaging your legs and cooking your food at night and you're not carrying anything all the way to you handing me a candy bar. All of a sudden I'm supported too. So I was like, okay, I can't really mess with that category because there's like professional athletes in it, but <laughs> self-supported, which, you know, is a little uh, just more accessible, I guess. Uh, it's kind of, you know, tugging at me. Like, let's read a little bit more about that. And so in those rules, it said any food that you get yourself or is cached. And I kept reading that line over like food cache, food cache. I never really heard anybody other than like the 100 mile wilderness or the Appalachian Trail where the hostel will come put food in a cache, like in a bucket. I hadn't really heard of anybody taking advantage of that. So I was like, well, if I cache the food every day, every, <laughs> I'll never have to carry more than one days worth of food. So I'll be able to like light pack possibly jog and I won't waste the time getting off trail hitching or walking to the store, walking around the dollar tree, <laughs> this all the order to the post office and all that stuff. So I figured out how many days I wanted to do. I think I did, uh, I think I made 32 bags, even though I got 35 days was my goal. I knew I could buy some supplemental stuff down on the coast and I, you know, I was worried about the animals, but I put like 6,000 calories in those things. And most I've ever taken, they're almost three pounds each. Cause I was thinking I was going to be hiking 20 hours a day, which I was, um, it was all junk, you know, just honey buns and candy and bars, <laughs> nothing to cook. Went into a vacuum sealed bag with, um, oxygen absorbers. And then those went into another vacuum sealed bag with oxygen absorbers. And then all that went in a turkey bag, which was like a cellophane kind of Nioflume product that you use for like cooking turkeys, but they're pretty smell proof and pretty, it, it almost looks hmm. like the, my, like the, um, the, the window treatment stuff, the polycro that we sleep yeah. in. A lot of us, it's like here. So tied a knot in that. And then, um, I buried all the food and holes in the ground, sometimes directly on the, in the middle of the trail. Uh, so usually like right to the side. So it wouldn't like mess with anybody, but I'd also <laughs> try to find, um, I string to the bag and then I, I put the string up through the ground, like a candle wick and leave like a little light in it on the ground. It's a little green string. So it kind of blended in and that would be like my way to follow the bag. I couldn't fish it out because the ground was too heavy, but I know it was there and I could like dig around it and kind of yank it up. And I would also look for a huge rock that I could only lift with a fulcrum or a tool, like a, a stick. Uh, and that way I knew like a, bear wouldn't be able to move it because i was worried the bear would be stronger than me but would need a tool <laughs> to figure out some mechanical so, advantage he was it, it would have been done you know? so i think my only thing is i dug the holes a little too deep like knowing what i know now because it was taking me like 20 minutes to dig some of them up because thankfully at the last the very last moment i decided to bring us like a little trowel like a lightweight trowel which i've never brought I always like cattle with my hands or my shoes um so thank god because the, the dirt had compacted pretty hard and i would not have been able to dig it up with my hands so i had a little trowel and that helped 
I would just take a picture of the ground, like the area where I buried it. And I would just put my finger like here in the forefront of the camera, <laughs> pointing at the ground, at the rock or wherever. So that's how I'd find, I get back to the situation, just look at the camera. I'm like, oh yeah, it's right there by that double tree. And so that worked really well. Like animals not ever, never got into them. And uh, they were like 50 degrees like in the ground. It was really cool. The food was pretty good. Uh, one of them, I didn't think about the timing and I showed up on Labor Day weekend and there was someone camped on top of one of the, <laughs> the, buried, the buried site. And so I was like, oh shit, I can't think about this. It was up on the pinnacle near Shortoff Mountain. So yeah. it's kind of a popular place you can catch it. And I came out there and I was like, oh crap, there's a couple. And I kind of like waved. It's like, hey, uh, kind of a weird request. Uh, it's going to sound weird, but I buried some food under like where you're camped. And I'd like to come in your campsite and dig a hole and like, retrieve the food. And then, like, I tried to explain, like, I'm doing an FKT attempt and I'm trying to save time, like everything I just told you. But if you're not like a hiker or a through hiker or aware of what an FKT is, it doesn't yeah. really <laughs> so he just kind of looked at me funny and the man the man never said a word uh after he said hello and the woman was like yeah you can come on in she was kind of the the communicator but like it was super awkward and i felt like i was invading their place and the rock i had put on top of the hole was gone someone had moved the rock and it might have been them i don't know uh because i was like oh man someone moved the rock i had placed here <laughs> like, trying to see if they were like yeah <laughs> I saw the rock like 20 feet away in like a divot where I think people have been like tripping at night or something like on the, in a hole. So they were trying to fill up the hole or something. But so I like brushed around and this couple, you know, just conversing with themselves. I'm like 10 feet away, like looking on the ground and I couldn't find it. And um, it just kept getting more and more awkward. I'm like, so sorry again. So sorry. Not <laughs> my plan. And I couldn't find that little string. So finally, and they were like cooking food. So finally I was like, so I'm just going to call it and, I'm going to head out of here and not eat for the next 40 miles. And they're like, okay, well, good luck. And I was like, yeah, good there. Just thought you might know. Okay. So I uh, had to keep moving. And so that, at that point I realized how serious it was if, if my caching food situation did not work out, you know what I mean? Cause I didn't have food for the next 40 miles. Uh, luckily the next cache was like deep in Harper's like Creek. Yeah. Lost Cove area, so I couldn't drive all the way to where I wanted to to make it 40 miles. So I had to bury that next one a little early. I think it was 25 miles that I did with without. I had a couple of snacks still left because I was rationing, but I was definitely hungry at the end of that day. But um, that's the only one that didn't work. Um, so I made it to Pilot Mountain on this hike, which means all the food bags from essentially Oak Ridge to the coast are still in the ground right now. Um, <laughs> It's a little food time bag. capsule. They are. And people are like, oh, you should just leave them till next year when you try again. I was like, well, there's some stuff in there. Like, this is some DIY tips. Um, I bought Walmart jerky, so I'd have to make my own. But the bags say consume within three days of opening. So I was like, all right, that's why I put the oxygen absorbers in the vacuum seal bag. So I was like, okay, I'll put like a, a straight pin and poke the tiniest hole in the jerky so that when I vacuum seal the bag, the jerky bag will also like shrink. Cause it's full of like argon or whatever the hell they're like conserve, <laughs> conserving their jerky with or preserving it with. So, um, I was worried like that that would spoil and it did like, as soon as I got to the first one, all that, all the jerky tasted like soap. It was nasty. <laughs> I lost, lost the jerky from the get go and the honey buns, they all expired at uh, the end of September. So those two things are probably mold and 
be gross in the bag. So I am going to tail between my leg at... Uh, but do honey buns really ever expire? I feel like honey buns are like the, the McDonald's the McDonald's thing where they leave it out for 20 years and it looks exactly the same. They, I mean, <laughs> they were pretty gross, when I, even the ones that were still good when I got them because they had compressed so much, the oils, the oh, oils had oh. all like come out of them. So it was just, I'll probably do some more DIY of my own food next time. It's like more natural, better kind of food than like just Walmart junks, junk food. But um, I'm going to have to go knock on these church doors and fire departments out and be like, hey, uh, didn't make it. I drove here, but I'm going to get this food out of your yard, I guess. You know, so not looking forward to that. But. <laughs> it's so hysterically funny. I don't, <laughs> I'm like have tears in my eyes listening to you talk about this because it just it goes. It's very DIY spirit, but it goes beyond just like, oh, I just cashed some food in the woods in a bucket. Well, I wanted to be safe. My biggest worry was that it would attract like bears that would then like mess with other people. Right. You know, I, I was not really worried if my food got taken, but I didn't want to like, and even so, like some purists and maybe trail naturalists would say what I did was maybe a little bit naughty, but no food you know, was ever discovered by animals. You know, it is public land, I think, for the most part. So, you know. Um, I filled in all my holes. I put the rocks back. I tried to leave no traces possible, but I had to give myself an edge. That was kind of the only way I knew I could shave like a day off my time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, no regrets. I would do it. No, I, I think it's ingenious and you definitely weren't DIYing your own FKT. Not to deter people from the MST with how extensively you plan. I know that you're a spreadsheet guy. You probably organize everything by weight just meticulously. Uh, so with that being said, and for people who also just might not be familiar with the mountains to sea trail, what is one thing that you could tell them to convince them to through hike the mountains to sea trail over other long trails, taking out the fact that you don't have to cache your food like you did right, you do. <laughs> every 40 you don't miles. Have to. Oh, let me tell you, that sucked. <laughs> like driving from 40 miles to 40 miles is not direct. It was taking like two hours to get to the next. No. Place. It took me five days to do all that across the state. But anyway, uh, you don't have to do that. It's impressive. The reason uh, the MST is a good hike or a first through hike or just a good hike in general for anybody is because it's kind of the best of both worlds of it's 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 accessible to beginners because there is so much support either through trail angels or uh even in the mountains where it is more wild you are coming near enough to gas stations and towns every couple days that you can resupply pretty easy and if you got in trouble or hurt you know you are out in the wilderness and you know in the mountain area it it would take someone, you know, a little bit of time to get to you because it's on a trail and you can't drive everywhere, but there's a lot of cell service and there's a lot of um, towns and, and places close enough that emergency crews could get to you if the worst thing, the worst case happened. So the mountains and sea trail is accessible because of that. There's just a lot of support for it. And the more kind of notoriety it's getting and the more people that join the mountains, friends of the mountains and sea group and the people that sign up to be trail angels and all that is just getting more and more. I mean, when I did it 10 years ago, the book was full of people and now there's just pages and pages. So a lot of people want to help you. Uh, on the opposite end, it does kick your butt if you want it to. From Tennessee to Pilot Mountain, the part I just finished doing, it, it is um, very, there's a lot of elevation. Um, it's rocky and rooty. 
there are some scrambles, there's ladders, there's cables. It's pretty much everything you experience on the Appalachian Trail concentrated into that area. Like I, as I'm walking through, I was like, oh my God, this is Pennsylvania right here. And oh my gosh, this is Vermont. You know, just within a couple of days, it would change because there's so many different uh, kind of temperate climates and kind of brushy deserties on short off mountain and then rainforest kind of feel up uh, near Mount Mitchell and stuff. So it's just a com so many different landscapes, not to mention once you get east and you're going through farmlands and the beach. So I just feel like it kind of takes the best things from a lot of the other long trails that they may be famous for one or two of those things, but kind of compresses it all into this trail that's very accessible. And uh, I mean, for me, I'm just, it's in my backyard, so it's easy. It's easier for me to plan. It's cheaper for me to do because it's close by. The trail is more friendly to day hikers and section hikers. Um, I'm not, no shade, but um, I think the last route before was a little more through hiker friendly. Just some of the new routes, um, they'll, they'll kind of, if you're heading east, they'll then pull you down south or north to see, you know, maybe a, a, a historical marker or some uh, some property or, or even a vista. It's not a, a PUD, it's not a pointless up down, but I was calling them a pointless side to side. <laughs> if you're a through hiker, you're just wanting to move forward and maybe not take the side quest uh, to go look at a monument. So it's just that kind of thing that's not exactly built for the through hikers, but I understand why they did it is to make you see the state and um, and then also because it can help those communities kind of um, uh, explain why the community should support the trail because then when hikers come on the trail through the community, they spend money there and can kind of symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. when, you, when you take the trail through those small communities. And it, and it encourages more of the interaction with the people. So not a bad thing, but uh, that's just another way the trail is unique and that it's kind of built to be easier for short, shorter day hikes and section hikes. But if you do want it through it, it's easily done. So earlier you mentioned that you're probably gonna DIY some more food for your next attempt. Would you ever consider making your own gear? Yeah, for sure. Um, my friend uh, knows how to sew. Uh, he taught himself <laughs> and he's got a little sewing machine and he's been making like pants and stuff, but not camping related. And I started showing him some materials, some lightweight, high strength, waterproof stuff and showing him actually how easy it is these days to get it where when I first started and I think even in 2012, ultralighting was still kind of gaining its traction as a movement. Yeah. Um, and just wasn't a, a way to get the materials that some of the boutique shops were, were selling. Um, so I've kind of talked to him about, you know, the, there's always a gap in the market, all the different manufacturers, there's a lot of them, but they're all very small and they serve, you know, you know, unless you're a, a behemoth serving a big group, like everybody can kind of catch their niche market about aesthetic and what the things do. So I'm looking to have my friend help me learn the sewing. Cause I do have some ideas while I'm out there of like what a, a better backpack could be, or, you know, at least what works for me or someone, anyone sure. who's going to stay on their feet for 16 hours a day. Um, so I've got some ideas and I'd love to get them down on fabric. So for sure. I know some people who can help out if you need any fabric assistance or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> so I was up on short off this weekend, which for people who might not be familiar is in the Linville Gorge area of the Pisgah national forest, uh, situated just like North of Asheville, South of Boone. And it is hard to get a better view. I mean, 
short off is just extremely beautiful. You can see all the way up through the gorge, not to mention you get the sunrise and the sunset. So I know asking you this question is going to be very difficult, especially since you have attempted the MST three times and completed it twice. But what is your favorite section of the MST? Uh, maybe when you first did it, has it changed? I'm sure you have a lot of special spots now that have created memories, but what are your favorite sections? I hate talking this up because I'm like sending people there, but I think it's good for people to be able to experience it as well. It shouldn't be just for us gallivanters and, and uh, month longers. Um, so the campsite on top of short off mountain is awesome. Like you said, you get almost 360 degree views. There was a wildfire up there years ago and not all the brush has returned kind of a scar and sadness when you see some of those burnt like trees, but also make the lemonade out of it. You get these amazing views. There's also that one of the, there's a lot of campsites up there, but one of them has a water you know, pipe up there on the top of the mountain. So you don't have to worry about bringing water all the way up from your car, from the river, which would be really up. It's exactly pain. where I camped. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was great. Uh, that's my favorite campsite <laughs> on the trail. But if you go a little further heading east, you'll get to the chimneys, which is between Short Off and Table Rock. And I had kind of a very spiritual experience there and just felt and I'm, I'm not necessarily a spiritual person, but I just felt like a gravity and a, a a weight that didn't weigh anything, which I think was just a connection of me to the ground below me. And I just felt that the centuries and history of explorers and people who lived on that land for millennia before any of us came over, I could tell that they had also been at that spot and felt the same way. So that was profound to me. And uh, at that point, I had not yet started hitting up the trail angels the first time around, I think. So that was kind of the first thing was like, Oh, these are the kind of feelings I can get when I'm through hiking. You know what I mean? And then it became like the full of heart meeting the people. But so top of the chimney, there's three chimneys as you're walking down that trail is the one closest to the parking lot. You're able to climb up without rock climbing gear. And it's a, it's a spiritual magnet for me every time I go by it. So that's my favorite spot on the trail. Favorite campsite, the one on short of short off mountain. But favorite section is four because there's such a, I think that's including the end of Mount Mitchell and the little, the really hard mountain right before it, I think. So it's very varying um, um, environment and climate through there. And then section five is where the trail starts to smooth out and that's coming out of Boone. And um, you're still beside the parkway, but it's not a lot of scrambles or rocks anymore. So it's kind of like soft underfoot, starts to get really chill, still doing some mountains, your heart rate's still up, but it's just like, to vibe from that that point on out. So four and five for sure. I love how you shared the section, the campsite, and your favorite section of trail because that feels like the maybe the most appropriate way to encapsulate you know eleven hundred miles worth of joy <laughs> into you know it's like choosing your favorite child or something. Better but, not catch you all um, up there trashing my campsite. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're actually just going to go and try and find your food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to bring food. Just find my hole. Yeah. You know what? When you dig out the food from a food cache, you've got a cat hole ready to go. I realized that. <laughs> my body got into a good, uh, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a circle of yeah, life. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it actually helps, uh, you know, build back that hole stronger as well. I'm pretty sure. That's what I've heard. 
<laughs> well, <dead>. Sarah time, <laughs> we're going to wrap this thing up. I feel like we could probably be here for two hours, but for the sake of the listeners, no, we'll keep this one short. But um, this has been super cool. Thanks for sharing your stories about the MST, your connection to the MST, and what uh, DIYing a trail looks like to you. And I know you also have a lot of great uh, information um, for the hikes that you've done and how you've packed and food you carried down to the gram. So I will also make sure to post your information and your blog and your links in the show notes as well if people are curious and want to get the nitty gritty from you. So yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram is pictures and video, but I do do all my uh, gear lists food, calories, weights, um, how to plan links and all that for every trail I've done. And it's on my website, my blog, summertimesaunters.com. I just followed you mid mid podcast. So we're, we're we're friends. (laughs) Cool. Thanks again, Sarah time. We'll hopefully talk to you soon. It was great. I'm glad catching up and good to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know when you build that pack. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.